What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 36th episode of the PlayStation Drive. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Turford. I'm joined, as always, by the man himself, Matt Sawinski. Matt, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Thursday where apparently it's once again super cold again here in Canada? I don't know what's going on anymore, Ryan. This weather is ridiculousness. I just, I hate it. I don't like winter. I'm done with the cold, Ryan. I would like the warm to get here, but this isn't the weather cast. But how are you doing, my friend? How are you? How's everything? Oh, uh, you know, you know, can't complain, can't complain. You know, uh, we, we aren't going to have like an entire show dedicated to one topic this week. We have lots of stuff to talk about, <laughs> so it should be a fun show. So let's just dive right into it. So, of course... Folks at home, if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome ways to do that. Of course, number one, subscribe to us on your podcast feed of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We're all the, all the places you find podcasts. So check us out there. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave a little rating, maybe even a review, because that goes to help the show a long way. Also, if you want to see our beautiful faces every single week, head over to YouTube, youtube.com slash Yumi Capri. We put up a video version of the show every single Friday morning. And of course, like, subscribe, share with all your friends, all that good stuff. You know, throw on notifications, ring that bell. If I had a little bell here, I'd, you know, ring the bell. And then last but not least, if you want this show early as well, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. Get through a little tip in the old tip jar and out comes content. All right. Without further ado, Matt, let's grab our A-Tracks, pop them in. It's time for the playlist, and let's get this show on the road. What did you play this week, my friend? So I'll st- we, ha- we have one thing in common, so I'll start with the thing that we don't have in common. Uh, I played a PSVR game called Fract. Um, it's been on my radar for quite some time. It's like a very like dub- like James Bondy action adventure, you know, shooty stuff. Like the game starts with you like skiing down this mountain as there's like an avalanche coming. It's very action packed. It's very, very cool. Uh, unfortunately, I only played it for about 20 minutes before I got violently motion sick and oh had to God. literally tear the thing off my tear the, the <laughs> headset off of my head. Now, to be fair. I haven't played a VR game like this in quite some time. So my VR legs are a little bit wobbly compared to what they used to be. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the accessibility options when it comes to Fract aren't as in-depth as I would like them to be. Um, and, like, it's 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 frustrating because the game itself is really really cool and i'm going to keep playing it but it's definitely going to be the thing where like i need to go out and buy ginger candy again i need to get the fan going so i blow it on myself while i'm playing like all the little tips and tricks that i was using initially in my psvr endeavor i'm gonna have to bring them back to be able to play through this because i genuinely really want to um because like even stuff like the walking dead you know saints and sinners they give you more room to play with the settings, like, you know, turning down the FOV, putting the grid up around you. And Fract does have a few options, but not as many as I would have liked uh, to kind of mitigate the the motion sickness experience. Because, again, the game itself is really, really cool. So I'm definitely going to be going back to it. Um, but, yeah, I literally I had one of those things where I was like, I can do it. I can do it. Nope, never mind. And like I like tore my headset off and like collapsed on the floor and sat there for like five minutes not moving because VR motion sickness stays for way too long. Yep. Um, so that was a thing. And then. Thanks to you, I didn't even realize that this was happening. I well, to be fair, they demo. shadow dropped this. Like there was no, there was no announcement ahead of time. I didn't even know they were doing a demo for it. But go on. Well, that's perfect because it was because of you. Still, I'm thinking you and only you, Ryan, not anybody else. You are the sole reason why this demo exists. Uh, yeah, I played the Monarch demo, and I'm. This game went from like an insta buy to uh, I'll wait a little bit for for it mm-hmm. as I played through the demo. Um, I, and, and I'll tell you why the graphics are not great, but like my expectations for graphics when it comes to games like this aren't usually ge- genuinely that high. If I'm having a fun time playing and the story's great, then 
I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I love Vanitas. He's he's an awesome little dude. I, I love him already. And I love his relationship with the protagonist kind of being like, uh, you know, he doesn't the protagonist doesn't care. He's going to treat him however he wants to treat him. Um, mm. And like they have some really cool transformation sequences and stuff. I loved the beginning where they have like the questionnaire to help this like a psychological questionnaire to help determine like which um like helper you're going to get based on the what seven deadly sins if I if I'm correct yeah they're they, yeah it's based off the deadly de- seven deadly sins and they're like wildly different from each other because I tried a couple experiments and mm. uh, you get like wildly different party members depending on your questionnaire which is really interesting and cool so can uh, so very quickly who did, who did you get when you did it like the first time through uh, I got lust the first time Ooh, Ryan I yeah. got gluttony. Okay. I'm apparently a glutton. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a really, really cool and a really interesting way to kind of set things up. Um, and like, there's like in the menu, there's like a lot more psychological tests that seemingly will pop up later. So I'm really curious to see how they got used. Um, I don't like that. We have the classic protagonist dies. The entire thing is over, especially in a game where almost every time that you attack, unless you're doing a back attack, you're automatically getting attacked back. Yeah. Like the counter Um, percentage is like, pretty close to a hundred percent if you're not doing like a a back attack because side attacks there's like a 50 percent chance on most attacks mm-hmm. um it also doesn't help that he's a melee character whereas um because you had gluttony because i also did gluttony on one of my kind of tests um because mm-hmm. i know it's also a melee character but um you can actually get a ranged character because um that's what lust is essentially is an archer um that okay. gets unlocks like magic spells with like fireballs and stuff like that so you're attacking entirely at range so you really never have to worry about enemies counterattacking you so i almost wish like the main character could like maybe swap out their their attack style and be more of a ranged character so then you could mm-hmm. be more strategic with that because again as you to your point if they die it's over so you'd never want to rush in with that character you always want to be very careful with them which is funny because it always starts with that character when you go into battle before you kind of switch to the other characters which is interesting mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it's, it's just like, it's one of those like old school tropes that I'm kind of like, it's never game breaking for me, but it's one of those things I'm like, eh, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, I think the super speed was kind of broken because I accidentally left it on in the battle and it stayed on throughout me running around the areas. It was just on in perpetuity, which yeah. I don't have a problem with because I like keeping that stuff on, especially in games like this. I just found it really funny. Um, anime cutscenes were awesome. Gave me like really some really mob psycho vibes. Um, Hitotsubashi sucks. I don't like it. I don't like him. He's already <laughs> annoying. And I kind of wish that some of like the dialogue options, because that you have with like Vanitas, like you have an option to make your protagonist very like snarky. And I kind of wish that carried over into some of the kind of, you know, general NPC and like villain interactions. But like overall, I enjoyed it the more I played it. I know some of the things that will irk me are the load times. And like I said, this is like a very spoiled privileged position playing as we have been on PS5. Mm-hmm. The fact that there is a load through every door, yeah. through every section, and like to get to new areas, uh, because like, you know, sometimes you have fast travel unlocked, but a lot of the times because of like the story stuff, you're stuck running through the entire area over and over again to the next thing. So like, while I'm still looking forward to it and I'm still like, I think I will ultimately enjoy it. The demo was kind of a, like an experience where I was like, okay, the battles are really cool. This world is interesting. The mood is really cool. But like, I don't know as much anymore, Ryan. But what mm-hmm. am I off base here? How did you feel about the demo? What were your thoughts on it? No, you're not off base. In fact, actually, I think that you and I had like different things that kind of annoyed us about it. Because first of all, the loading things, it's just one of those things where because this is a cross-gen game and it's a Switch game, like mm-hmm. I think they they just built 
the load times into it like kind of like how some of the backwards compatible games play on Xbox Series X as well, where essentially like, yes, even though the console loads it fast, like doesn't need to load, um, they had to build it in there for the other consoles. So and as a concession. So I, I understand why it's there. And I'm only I think I'm more used to that because I played the Caligula Effect 2 recently. Um, I think mm-hmm. I talked about that last year. Um, and that game also is from like uh, the same publisher as well. Um, and also had the same issue with that, too. So I was used to it from playing that game. So it didn't really bother me that much, but I, I can definitely see like if you're used to only playing like PlayStation five games uh, recently, like I can imagine that kind of, you know, you know, being a, a, like on a sour note. Um, one of the things I didn't really love about the demo so much was um, exploring some of the areas in the mist, which is kind of the areas you go to, to kind of kill all the enemies. And you're basically mm-hmm. trying to liberate these areas. Uh, and you basically start in this big school and um, the school is covered in mist on different floors. And you have to go to each floor to kind of like, you know, defeat like a boss enemy and then kind of dispel the mist. Um, but what I, one of the things that I didn't like about it, what in, in regards to that was, each floor had like a specific puzzle that you had to try and solve that usually involved mm-hmm. quite a bit of investigating. And normally I wouldn't mind that type of thing, but the way that they do it in this game, I found it to be more confusing sometimes than a lot of other games that do this type of thing. For example, there's this one floor where essentially you have to find a locker combination to basically proceed. Um, but like, and there's like journal entries and stuff kind of spread throughout the floor and people you have to talk to and it just I was basically running around for an hour trying to find where this dang combination was and I couldn't find it anywhere. So it was just like I, I think that the the puzzle setup is not super intu- intuitive. So I, I feel like later in the game, maybe when some of the puzzles get harder, that's more my worry where I'm like, maybe I'm going to be running around like spending more time just running around looking for stuff that mm-hmm. then. Uh, then I would be hopeful. But but one of the things I like about the battle system in this game in particular um, that's a highlight for me is I like that there's no random battles this time around or there's mm-hmm. even no enemies on the map. Essentially, the way the battles work in this game is like you grind as much as you want to grind where essentially you have a cell phone. You call it a, a cell phone number that then brings you into this alternate world where you fight enemies and you can continue. And it basically like as you finish a battle, it's like, do you want to keep going? Do you want to do another randomized battle? And you just keep doing it over and over again for as mm-hmm. many times as you feel you need to, um, to kind of grind up, grind up your characters. Cause essentially you're, you're earning skill points. And as you allot skill points into your characters, it basically increases their levels. Um, and I, I really like that stuff. I kind of like the leveling system in this game. And, um, I, I like the co- combat overall besides the, the stuff you talked about, the, the counters and, and the way mm-hmm. that your main character is a little bit weak at the beginning. Um, but I found like, Towards the end of the demo, my my main character in particular, like I just funneled more of the points into him than the other characters because I knew that like, he was the vulnerable point of the team. So mm-hmm. as long as I kept him um, pretty high level, like I never really had anything to worry about. But I can. But yeah, like I can see your point about like the early stages in the game where essentially if you it, it, he's like very weak to start with. So you have to be a little bit careful with him. You have to babysit him a little bit. Um, but I like so, kind of the strategic combat, like the strategic strategic nature of the combat. Where it almost, mm-hmm. it almost feels like a strategy role playing game, where essentially, like if you crowd your 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 allies around an enemy, they can all attack them. Like every time one of your characters does an attack, um, and likewise, it works the same for the enemies. But go ahead and see what you're going to say, Matt. Yeah, no, I actually had a question because this is something that I'm a little bit uh, undecided on. Before we kind of move off of the leveling and the combat, how do you feel about the 
uh, leveling like your experience points essentially being tied not only like not only being shared across the characters but it's also the same currency that you basically use with vanitas to be able to like create items and stuff when you're kind of out in the dungeons because like uh, for me i think a it's cool because you, it's, it brings almost like a resource management aspect to it where you, you have to be really careful about where you're spending your points and like do i save some in case i need health stuff later on because i can imagine as the game continues there's going to be some pretty grueling fights in there mm-hmm. but at the same time i almost wish that the like vanitas had like a separate pool of of you know currency or something that you could use but like i don't know wh- wh- where are you out on that one so the way i felt about this is i really did never feel in the demo anyways maybe this is mm-hmm. different for the full game but the demo i never used an item the entire time because of the way my characters leveled like two of my three characters had healing skills so i would okay. just use those rather than items and likewise mm-hmm. uh with status effects you have the ability to kind of negate that because status effects in the demo didn't really come up all that often either i found mm-hmm. um so the the way you negate them you i didn't really felt like i, I had to rely on items so while in the demo i felt like that was okay i can imagine to your point like with if the fight is get harder in the main game i could imagine that th- that putting a strain on the resources but i also like the uh, the challenge there that's presented mm-hmm. to you where essentially you do have to really think about it and not like overcommit all your points all at once because you might need them later for something else. Like I, I like that aspect of it where it is like it, where it feels really strategic and, and um, you're not just, you know, running in there, getting all of like just over leveling your characters and then going about your day. I, I, I like mm-hmm. that aspect to it. So yeah, it's, I, I imagine it's going to be quite challenging in the main game as far as some of the later levels, but in the demo, you know, I just rolled with what I had, but again, I think that was just the luck of, you know, having lust as one of my party members, which was again, a ranged magic user in addition to being kind of an, an archer. So I had like a lot more utility spells than I normally would have had probably in your situation with glutton mm-hmm. that. So I think that definitely played into it a little bit. And I also, um, they didn't touch too much in this in the demo either, but there's also the ability to, once you kind of like level up your other stats for your main character, as far as like your, your other seven deadly sins, essentially you can recruit other party members in the same way. So I'm interested to see how that mixing and matching is going to work too. Yeah. I think I like, I I'm really, really curious and I'm, I'm happy the demo is as long as it is. Cause I really do feel like by the end of the demo is much more sold than I think in the opening bits, but especially because the opening feels very frantic. Like you're just kind of really thrown into a situation and there's kind of not a lot of explaining going on until you kind of, you know, have a massive exposition dump. So I was much more sold on it by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and even stuff like the load times, I think, I think I'll get used to, it's just kind of like, you know, when it's in your face, I'm kind of like, mm. but yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious for the main game now, but I think my hype has dropped a little bit based on the demo um, especially given when it's coming out. Yeah, exactly. Like it's coming out in a crowded month. And it's just one of those things where I think like ultimately what I'm projecting this game's like kind of overall, um, feel is going to be when, when you're, when we finally get the full copy is going to be, it's a, it's going to probably be a really fun, but flawed experience. And mm-hmm. it, it, I think a good story is really going to go a long way. So depending on how the story kind of unfolds for the rest of the experience, it, it's really, I think it's really going to swing things one way or the other, as far as how we feel about it. So I'm excited to talk about Monarch again. This will mm-hmm. not be the last time we talk about Monarch in the next month. So mm-hmm. wink, wink, 
this will be a thing that we talk about more. So keep that in <laughs> mind. Um, but I am excited to talk about it more. But yeah, with with a busy February, it might be one of those things where, you know, the recommendation might end up being, you know, kind of to wait on it because it is uh, it is a lower budget RPG. Let's just throw it out there. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not, you know, a triple A game or anything like that. And and we shouldn't come in with that expectation, I don't think. Yeah. So there you go. All right. The other game I played this week, of course, is the game I've been talking about for a while, but I finally finished it. Valkyrie <gasps> Profile 2. So Maria on PlayStation 2. I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was super fun. Um, again, I t- I've been talking about it in the show for a while now where it's essentially like a Metroidvania uh, mixed with an RPG and I had a great time with it. So um, I'm excited to play more because I've actually got uh, Valkyrie Profile Lineth here on the PSP <laughs> that I'm actually moving on to next. This is actually like a remake of the original game. So I'm actually excited to be checking that out kind of over the next couple weeks because, again, I'm going to be doing like an RPG cave episode in the future about Valkyrie Profile. So um, I'm, I'm kind of catching up with the series and uh, I, I really love Valkyrie Profile, too. So I'm hoping that uh, Lineth on the PSP is super fun as well. So. There you go. Plus, it's a good way of playing the original game because the original game, if you want to buy it now on PlayStation 1, it's like 500 bucks for a complete Of course it is. There you (laughs) go. All right. Let's slam the brakes on this conversation. It's time for some breaking news. It's been a slower news week, but I I feel like we've got some good topics to talk about this week. Starting off with February's PlayStation Plus games. Matt, please be excited. EA's UFC 4. On PlayStation 4, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a Wonderlands one-shop adventure. Even though there's a PlayStation 5 upgrade for this one, it's PlayStation 4 only for this one. And then, of course, Planet Coaster Console Edition, which is out on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, but you only get the PlayStation 5 version if you redeem it. So, Matt, uh, actually, before I go to you, I'm going to bring in Famous Seamus over on Discord who asked the question, what is the best game for February's PlayStation Plus games? So Matt, first of all, what do you think about this? And because I was shaking your head. And also, what do you think the best game is here? After the highs of January, they had to bring in February, knowing that we're not going to have any time to play any of the PlayStation Plus games anyway because of Horizon and Gran Turismo Imminent and Elden Ring. They were like, you know what? Let's throw some crap out there. I think this sucks. Uh, I think this is one of the worst months we've had in quite some time. UFC is not personally for me at all, which like to the people who do enjoy those games, cool. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a Wonderland's one-shot adventure is almost as egregious as Godfall, in my opinion, given how it's DLC for a game that came out, what, like 13 years ago? And we've already had the Borderlands, like, collection which had this included while i understand that this version has a little bit more added to it this is ridiculous and obviously only because tiny tina's wonderlands is coming out in march i i hate this almost as much as i hated godfall uh and planet coaster console edition i will be nice here and to answer famous Seamus's question i think this is legitimately the best game on here mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of people on reddit and online genuinely happy that this is coming while again it's not a game for me i'm not usually about these kinds of management sims i have heard good things and people seem to really enjoy this game so like for me i think this is the best one and you know i i think that for people who are excited about this kind of game, I'm, ha- I'm happy that they're getting it. It sucks that it's not cross, you know, PS4, PS5, and that you only get the PS5 version. But this is the state of PlayStation Plus uh, with Spartacus obviously imminent. So that's why they're kind of like, here, whatever, take this. Um, I think this I think this month is not great. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, it's kind of a meh, kind of month. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't really care about USC, but I think like 
if you like UFC number one, you probably already own UFC four, but mm-hmm. it's probably a good game for you. And and yeah, I just I don't love the the inclusion of Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep because that's like an eight dollar game that's essentially just again, it's not even really a full game. It's just a piece of a DLC that came out from a PlayStation three game that. Because you have mm-hmm. to remember, Borderlands 2 came out on PlayStation 3, not even PlayStation 4. So it's like, that's how long ago that game, that DLC was essentially. But so, yeah, you're right. Planet Coaster is probably the best game of the mix. Although, again, if you're a UFC fan, probably you'd argue that UFC is probably a better game. But uh, all, overall, a weaker month. But, you know, they can't all be winners, Matt, as far as mm-hmm. PlayStation Plus is concerned. Um, but I will give playstation the benefit of the doubt here because xbox just announced games with gold this morning and uh this is way better than games with gold this month so <laughs> really yeah games with gold is a is real bad i mean the best when the, when your best game on games with gold is hydrophobia you know there's something wrong so there you go yeah but i mean i think you're gonna have to get rid of that sooner or later and just focus on game pass i feel like really yeah. they're just kind well, of shoveling say, like, whatever game pass it. this month in particular is like sh- shot through the moon is like incredible this mm-hmm. month so mm-hmm. there you go. So that's what we think about PlayStation Plus overall a, d- a down month. But again, they can't all be winners. And I'm expecting like either March or April to probably kind of get back to form. And uh, we'll hopefully hear about PlayStation Now games probably next week. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, also, make sure you claim Persona 5 Strikers before it's gone forever. That game is fantastic. And you only have a few days left to claim it. Get it. Get it. That game is so good. For sure. All right. Before I get into the next topic real quick, I wanted to bring in something that we talked about last week. uh, And I'm just surprising Matt with this now because it's not in the document. Um, But did you did you ever check out your your PlayStation wrapped from last week? I I remember we talked about it last week, but um, mine wasn't working. So we we, I I said we'd talk about it this week. But Mm -hmm. I have mine right here ready to go. I've been I've I pulled it up literally like as we were on the show last week and then left it sitting on my phone in a tab open for the last week because I didn't want to lose it. Um, and I was waiting to have this conversation with you. So I do have it. What were, what were your top three games, Matt? My top three games uh, were, as I scroll down, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Shocker was my number one. Uh, Tales of Arise was my number two. And Temtem was my number three. And then Persona 5 Strikers was my number four. And I'm just going to say that because it's Persona 5 Strikers and it's great. Uh, I think I had a total of 521 hours played this past year. What about you, my friend? Oh, my God. So I've got mine on my phone. So in my number, since you included your, your number four game, I'll include mine, Song of Memories, which is actually a visual novel with multiple endings. Uh, I played okay. that apparently for 32 hours. And then Tales of Arise was my next one, 47 hours. And then nice. Persona 5 Royal was Let's my number go. two, 98 hours played. Let's go. And then <laughs> number one, I mean, to, to the surprise of everyone, <laughs> Final Fantasy 14, <gasps> 1,158 1, hours <laughs> for a, for a yes. grand total of 1,589 hours on PlayStation last year. So you tripled me. I'm obviously a fake gamer and don't deserve to be on this show. I think you doubled my time in Final Fantasy 14 alone. (laughs) Hashtag fake gamer. Hashtag fake gamer. I don't deserve to be here. I'm sorry. All I'm going to do now is when I intro you, I'm not going to call you the man man himself. I'm going (laughs) to intro you. Matt Sawinski, fake gamer. (laughs) Uh, I'm a shill. I've been paid by PlayStation to be here. Hold on. And before we move on, I wanted to ask you real quick, because you've also got it in front of you. uh, Mm -hmm. How many Platinums did you get? this year Matt what kind of what kind of <laughs> fake gamer stats we got going on here dude I I am the worst uh, I got one one I got say. one yeah I, got, I uh go ahead I got 15 
this year. Nicely done. <laughs> well, this year, 2022, is going to already be a thing because I popped two Platinums right at the beginning of the year, and that'll probably be all two that I get all year. Um, but look at you, 15. Nicely done. I mean, there are more visual novels out there to, to, to platinum that. So there you go. Well, I'm, I'm to, to throw it out there with all the hours <laughs> I played in Final Fantasy 14 this year. I'm not even halfway to the platinum trophy in that game. So <laughs> is that is that a thing you actually want to do? Do you really want to get the platinum that I really is- I really want to. But it it's going to take so long Matt. like it, the, the platinum trophy for Final Fantasy 14. I estimate takes at least 5000 hours to get it. To, and that's what? like and that's dedicated to doing all the things you need for the platinum trophy so yeah. all right because you, because essentially you have to do like ten thousand dungeons and raids and stuff for example you have to do also do i think it's like five thousand fates so that, it's a lot it's a that lot. is obscene oh well, my god okay yeah never mind well good luck with that well i mean five thousand hours you'll get there in about uh three or four years at your yeah, current pace so that's true that's true <laughs> There you go. All right. Next topic. And this kind of relates to what we talked about last week with the Activision stuff. I had to bring this in here. Now, normally this is the type of thing we wouldn't talk about on the show because it is border aligning on kind of rumor and speculation territory. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought it would be interesting to talk about because I wanted to bring in Phil Spencer's tweet anyways to at least talk about that and dissect it. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also got a report from Jason Schreier over in Bloomberg that I'll talk about as well. So in a recent tweet, Phil Spencer had this to say about Call of Duty's future on PlayStation. Quote, I've confirmed our intent is to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and uh, we value our relationship. However... While some took this to mean that this confirmed that the series would never be leaving PlayStation, a new report from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg states differently that Call of Duty is locked in for three more entries beyond what has been released so far. And beyond that, it's really up to Microsoft. So essentially what Jason actually uh, took to on Twitter and kind of tweeted about his his thoughts on the idea was that he expects that um, this year's entry, next year's entry, and then Warzone will be covered under this agreement as far as like the next war zone essentially like what the, when they upgrade war zone inevitably next year to whatever mm-hmm. next year's call of duty is so he imagines you know 2024 is when is when we kind of maybe see the changeover so they can maybe uh, you know negotiate another agreement from there to keep it on playstation but matt we saw lots of people talking about this on the internet so i had to bring it in here so i, I need to know your take on this first of all do you think you know phil spencer's tweet you know means it's sticking around forever what, what do you think this is brilliantly worded. Like, what an incredible uh, tweet! Just because of how little and how much it actually tells us, the desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Uh, using the word "desire" is a yep. very is a very like you know specific word that they use. Um, because this really reads to me like we want Call of Duty to be on PlayStation. If it's Game Pass on PlayStation or if it's whatever on PlayStation, we wanted to. PlayStation said no. It's very easy to start pointing fingers in a couple of years once they say like, oh, look, we wanted it. PlayStation said no. So yeah. like this for me is like is a very easy way to spin that. And it's, just, it's brilliantly written, brilliantly written. I think this kind of lines up with what I had in mind with, you know, the deal isn't going to close until next June anyway. This year and next year's, I think, is a lock. Warzone, like we have already talked about, I, I 100% think it'll stay on because it's free to play. That like, and I mean, they're, they're just making more money on the back end of that than literally anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2024, we could still see just because it'll only be a year after the acquisition. That I, I still could see that that would happen, but I think that's when the mar- like the lands, like you know, landscape is going to change. 
pretty heavily around that time. Um, if PlayStation negotiates a contract, I'm very curious to see how much they're going to be willing to bend and buckle because they're like, unfortunately, PlayStation needs at Call of Duty more than Microsoft needs PlayStation, I think. Um, regardless of, you know, the market share or anything else, uh, I, I think, you know, Microsoft is really going to be in the driving seat in those discussions. And I'm curious to see how this is going to shake out. Um, but I think it, it's nice to know that we're at least getting Call of Duty for the next few years, uh, mm. which is what we expected. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, I can't get over this tweet. It's just, it's so well yeah. put together. It's geniusly written, Ryan. But what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell with this tweet, like it was poured over by like many, many, many lawyers to kind of mm-hmm. make sure that the wording was exactly correct. Because yeah, until the the acquisition, you know, happens, they can't really say one way or the other as to what's going to happen with it anyways. It's, it, it's, it's the same thing that happened with, you know, Microsoft acquired Bethesda and and uh, they couldn't really be super clear about it. It's not that they don't want to be super clear. I think it's just legally they can't for yeah. for, for reasons. They don't want to you know tank the, the stock price or anything like that or or, or uh, do anything like that. So I, I think we'll and we talked about this a little bit with when uh, on the Xbox drive yesterday. But I feel like when eventually when Xbox does kind of their round table with with Activision, when they fully acquire them, kind of like they did with with Bethesda, when they had like that live stream where they had like Todd Howard and, and Pete Hines and a bunch of other people from Bethesda kind of like do this round table to talk about the future of Bethesda. I imagine they're going to do something very similar with Activision when this happens. So um, at that point, that's when we'll finally hear about, you know, what's exclusive, what's not going to be exclusive uh, and and kind of what the future of Activision is going to be. Um, I also We've also been hearing rumblings too as well that there's a possibility that Call of Duty moves away from the yearly model as well. Um, so that is also a possibility too where maybe um, like the exclusivity like continues, uh, like gets pushed back maybe until, you know, three games come out because maybe there isn't a Call of Duty game in 2024. Maybe they they uh, go go further and, and put out a game the next year. Because I imagine that they maybe do something like S- what Ubisoft does with Assassin's Creed and goes to like a two games every three years kind of model. Like maybe do something like that. I think maybe even makes more sense for Call of Duty. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff in play. It's still way too early to tell. Um, but I definitely like again, a lot of the reads I was seeing from people like, or, or people retweeting Phil's statement being like, Oh yeah, this confirms that it's staying on PlayStation forever. And like, I, I don't know about that. I think this is very, as to your point, Matt, I think it's very carefully worded to it's like, well, actually probably not. But uh, yeah, I wanted to throw this in here so we could at least talk about it a little bit. Ultimately we kind of gave our predictions last week as far as what we think is happening with call of duty. And I don't think either of them has really changed after hearing this news. So there you go. All right, and our last topic before we get to your questions, Lucasfilm's games have announced three new Star Wars games are coming from Respawn, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, a new non-Battlefront first-person shooter that apparently is going to focus on movement tech, kind of like Titanfall is, and a new strategy game made in tandem with former Firaxis developers. No timetables were given for any of these games or titles other than you know, Jedi Fallen Order 2 as a working title. And we don't even know if that's the final title. And mm-hmm. uh, not only that, but it doesn't sound like according to to multiple insiders that Fallen Order 2 is probably not going to come out this year, barring, you know, some kind of miracle. So, Matt, what do you think about this news that, you know, Respawn getting three more Star Wars games, which I think is an interesting, interesting move. It doesn't sound like any of the other EA studios are working on Star Wars at this point. Well, I mean, I think like up front, this just shows how unhappy EA and Disney probably are with DICE for the handling of the Battlefront series. And especially with the latest Battlefield tanking as well, I can't imagine they're too pleased over there. Uh, but as for Respawn, this is just 
see it sounds like they're becoming like star wars's insomniac right as mm-hmm. much as marvel has is putting everything into insomniac now it sounds like star wars is kind of doing the same thing with respawn and respawn respawn is a fantastic developer um this to me sounds like they're going to be ramping up a lot like this sounds like yeah. they're going to have a lot of teams going at the same time which i hope doesn't really take away from the magic that respawn brings because i do think their games are quite special uh, i'm excited for fallen order 2 i really really liked the first one when whenever it comes whenever it's ready i'm ready to play it uh a new non-battlefront you know first person shooter makes me excited because you know we just recently also had the the boba fett um gameplay leaked from what should have been star wars 1313 and that it looks cool even if it was unfinished so like while this is going to be obviously in first person i'm excited for a different experience and i really do hope it's something along more of like the you know grimy crappier underworlds of star wars the kind of mm-hmm. crime infested stuff because i think that'd be really cool um and on top of that a strategy game uh, for access of you know former for access devs are involved i'm in like this yeah. sounds really cool as long as it's not too much like you know rts uh like a starcraft or something then like no, i imagine this is there. probably more like an xcom or if they go in a different direction maybe it's more like civilization um on mm-hmm. pc rather than you know a real-time strategy game like a starcraft or something like that yeah so i'm i'm curious i'm very curious to see i don't ex- anticipate outside of Fall in Order 2, uh, which, you know, I would guess would be out by the end of next year. I don't anticipate we're going to see either one of these next two games for quite some time, which is a little weird that they had decided to be like, here's all this, you know, information for things you're not going to see for many years. But you know what? It's, it's cool that we're getting them, Ryan. What about you? Are you excited? Are you are you nervous about Respawn taking on this much? Where are you at? So first off, I will say that this announcement actually remind, really reminds me of when they first announced that EA was doing, the, doing Star Wars, because that's actually when we first heard that Respawn was working on uh, a, a Star Wars game. And that was like three or four years before they even announced Jedi Fallen Order. So it was just like, it kind of it feels like that where like the Firaxa, like the, uh, the, the strategy based game, um, for example, is probably like four or five years away at this point. Um, so yeah, I think that there's like quite a long roadmap here. As far as the first person shooter, besides like what, what you talked about, as far as maybe the Grammy side, the other thing maybe I'd love to see is like, maybe like a dark forces reboot, I think would be pretty cool. Maybe reintroducing Kyle Katarn to the, the star Wars canon. Cause he was one of my favorite characters from the extended universe that they brought in. And I, and I love the dark forces games. I've talked about it before on other podcasts, as far as um, how I used to play, you know, Jedi Knight professionally. <laughs> So um, I, I love those games in particular, and I'd love to see maybe th- that those games return in a big way. And, and I think that's just a, a Star Wars IP that's just sitting there not being used that I think could really actually be pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I think this is a good move overall. But what this move basically tells me also is if Respawn's working on this and they're working on Apex, it also means Titanfall 3 ain't happening for at least another five or 10 years at this point. So I, I think we can kind of like this kind of kills any hopes of that or really just respawn working on anything else at this point like they're not going to probably have like another game like even a new ip or anything like that that wows us Mm -hmm. i think i think they're just all in on star wars in the same way that you talked about with insomniac where they're kind of all in on marvel at this point even though they even though insomniac did ratchet i think their their hands are kind of tied as far as future projects like i think it'll be a while before we even see like a new ratchet or, or anything else from them besides, you know, Wolverine or Spider-Man at this point. Mm-hmm. So, and I think respawn to your point is probably kind of locked in in the same way. So I'm excited about these games. I also like Jedi fallen order, even though it had some problems, I think they can iron some stuff out with the, with the next one and make it a really solid experience. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what they do next, but let's let some of our friends into the car with us, Matt. It is time for the carpool. So folks at home, if you'd like to be part of the carpool, uh, you can leave us your questions on Twitter. We tweet out a question post every single Wednesday afternoon over on Yumi Capri's on Twitter. Also, you can join the Yumi Capri Discord. 
The link's in the show notes. It's free to join. You can leave your questions there. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, just leave a question in the YouTube comments, just like Dan at Dano12 did on Twitter. And he asked the question, if given the task, which PlayStation exclusive would you choose to keep in the past? As in no remakes, no remastered, and no chance of becoming backwards compatible. So Matt, this is kind of a sad question, but which PlayStation franchise would you want to bury forever at this point? I really don't know, Ryan, honestly, like I've gone through like a massive list, a list of PlayStation games. I was trying to think of them like I genuinely don't really know what I'd what I'd want to bury forever just because I feel like a lot of the games have an opportunity to bring something to someone. But like if I was kind of hard pressed to kind of leave it be surprisingly enough, uh, I actually don't want to see Little Big Planet come back. Um, I think that like the new generate, like the new direction that they're going with Sackboy uh, is really cool. I genuinely really, really enjoyed Sackboy's big adventure. Um, and like even with Media Molecule on Dreams now, I feel like that creation suite is just so much more than it ever has been. And like I feel like such a big part of what made Little Big Planet special was the community around it and was the kind of, you know, ability to kind of jump in and play other user created stuff. Even though I was never one making it, I enjoyed it for what it was. So I kind of feel like those games had a place in time and I'm, I'm glad that they, they, you know, exist. But I don't really have any need for them to come back, especially with, you know, the way the Media Molecule has gone with the way that Sackboy is right now. Um as much as it hurts me to say that, I that's kind of the answer that I came to because I couldn't really think of much else, honestly. What about you, Ryan? So for me, again, this is also a tough question because like there's not many that I'm like, man, this really hurts the brand for Sony to release them. So um, th- this one's more out of spite because I mean, they tried <laughs> to kind of bring this franchise back before in the PlayStation 4 era when they did like kind of a, uh, an HD remaster of this. And it was it was real bad. So just leave Prapper the Rapper dead. We don't need Prapper the Rapper to come back. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Prapper is a cool character and he would be awesome in something, you know, like a PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2, but he doesn't need his own game again. So leave Prapper in the past. This also hopefully means that the the, the sequel to Unjammer Lammy is just around the corner, Matt, at this point. <laughs> so, because that was, that was a way superior game too to, to uh, Parappa the Rapper. So there you go. But again, honestly, I don't want to see any of them go back, like uh, be buried forever. Just like Parappa the Rapper, you know, I wouldn't be sad if mm-hmm. they brought back another one. But next up, Todd Oxtra at Toxtra asks, will Sony take the Xbox approach of small improvements this generation to improve goodwill, like backwards compatibility until they can shore up new acquisitions or will they continue their current strategy and be largely silent outside of pressures? So as far as your question, Todd, I actually don't think that they really shift strategy at this point. I think that Jim Ryan's kind of found what he considers to be the, the winning strategy for Sony as far as, you know, keeping the status quo kind of, making these like big tentpole event games that everyone kind of like is talking about whenever they're released. And, and that's kind of their thing, I think. And then making, you know, small, like smaller, like exclusivity deals for um, third party games. I think, I think that's just more of their jam. And I don't really see them really trying to, you know, um, curb good, like improve goodwill as far as doing other stuff. Obviously, you know, backwards compatibility. We talked about it before we talked about Spartacus, but obviously I think that's coming in that form. But I'm not expecting it outside of, you know, your subscription to Spartacus. Like they're not going to have like pop your PS1 disc into your PlayStation 5 and you'll be able mm-hmm. to play, uh, you know, Valkyrie Profile or something like that. Like, I don't think they're going to do something like that. But Matt, what do you think about this question? 
Uh, I think you're spot on, my friend. I don't see them really changing strategy. It's working for them right now. They continue to you know, sell PS5s as fast as they can make them. Um, their games continue to sell incredibly well. Like, While I do think they'll maybe change things a little bit with how much they offer on PC and maybe making those games a little bit more readily available, while also Spartacus being their kind of answer to Game Pass, I really do think that like for them to start really changing their strategy would mean that they are losing. If they mm. are, you know, if they're losing market share, if they're losing the kind of, you know, gamer mind frame of you know playstation's awesome ps5 is great they have all these incredible games uh, i don't see them significantly changing until that starts to happen and i think right now it's still working for them and the little incremental stuff that they'll do will be you know smaller acquisitions smaller studios you know stuff like you know your blue points um so i i don't really see them changing because it's working and like you said jim ryan is very much like you know old game is old and this this strategy is still going strong for them and i don't see them changing because of it because of anything else yeah for sure Next up, TPR on Discord asks, let's say Sony does PlayStation All-Stars the sequel, like Matt kind of, you know, was helping for. Is there a lesser known Sony character that you'd like to see added? Someone's besides your Aloys, Jin Sakai's, Bloodborne Hunters, Joel's, Ellie's, and Abby's. If so, who? So first off, even though it's not an unknown character, I would love to see Dart from Legend of Dragoon back. He was supposed to be in the last PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, and he got cut, he, he got cut off because... They stopped developing for the game like they had actually developed his character out and everything. He was supposed to be in it and just wasn't. So that's a character I would love to see. Or, But like as far as lesser known characters, I would love to see uh, uh, Ava, the, the main character from Parasite Eve. Um, I think she would be a really cool character. Like she would almost take the place of like one of the Resident Evil characters, for example, in like Marvel versus Capcom or something like that, where she have a, an assortment of guns and gadgets and stuff like that. I think like she'd be a cool character to use. Um, and then as far as other other characters, I don't know. I think that's a tough question. Maybe even like the sound shapes blob or something like that, or like a, an army of patapons maybe as like a, a character. But Matt, what do you think about this question? So uh, I made a list, Ryan. Um, oh. Well, I would love to see some, you know, uh, Xbox characters crossover like Crash and Spyro. Um, for me, I would really love to see, uh, you know, Tomba. I actually think would be a cool inclusion from like all the way back in the PS1 days. Uh, give me Echo. Give me the dolphin. Ooh. I think that would be hilarious. And then uh, some of my other big gets, I would like Jackie Chan from Jackie Chan Adventures um, because, you know, the martial arts and stuff, that would be great. I want the eye toy, just the eye toy. <laughs> yes. And, but it doesn't uh, have these- any arms. How does it fight? Don't worry about it. It has a, it has a, it has a cable. It can whip and stuff. I believe me. It can like take pictures and like stun enemies. Believe me. I've thought about it, but my biggest get the one that I would really, really want, um, is, uh, Hassan from blue box because everybody knows he's an AI created character who, uh, <laughs> who doesn't actually exist. And I think he'd be perfect for all stars battle Royale too. So, uh, yeah, that would be my, Lord, those would be my picks. My God, my God. You might, you might as well have just said you want the eye of judgment in this game at this point. Uh, or like when you said Jackie Chan from Jackie Chan Adventures, I'm, I'm imagining, well, okay, at that point, that means we can just argue for Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh! Because, yes. you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories was on PlayStation 1 or something like that. Yeah, know? but I only want, I will only want the Millennium Eye, not the rest of it. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm so glad we had this topic. And then the last question... Once again, comes to us from the most famous of all Seamus's famous Seamus, who asks, favorite thing you saw from the Horizon Forbidden West previews? I'm going to pretty much throw this one to Matt because honestly, I didn't read any of them. I'm on personal media blackout from this game. I didn't watch any of the newest trailers. I didn't read any of the previews because the game's right around the corner and I don't want to know anything. But Matt, is there anything that caught your eye? Did you see any of the previews? What do you think? Uh, 
I read, I think it was IGN's because I think that was the first one that kind of popped, but I kind of quickly skimmed through it. And I, similarly to you, I did not look at any of the footage. I did not look at any of the screenshots because again, like the game's imminent. I don't need to see anymore. But from the preview, um, you know, they seem to be really genuinely happy with how Aloy feels, which is, I think, the biggest thing for me kind of going into Forbidden West, um, you know, with how agile she's supposed to feel and, um, you know, the maneuverability and being able to just, I'm very happy to hear that you can climb much more than you can in the original game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that that stuff it's the maneuverability and it's the kind of um you know moving around the map that makes me excited and by all accounts they seem to have nailed it so uh I, that's what i'm excited for but i had like again similar to you ryan i looked into nothing more than that because the game is a couple weeks away i don't I, i'm already sold i don't need more from it yeah exactly it'd be different if you know we'd be kind of on the fence about this game still but like yeah, there's nothing I need to know that it's going to convince me that this game is, you know, not worth we're picking up day one. I've already got my, you know, regalia edition of the game pre-ordered. So I'm excited to get that and put that elephant together. Maybe it'll be in the in the back here next to my Warrior of Light statue or my Final Fantasy 14 photo frame here. Anyways, we got to go before we go. Matt plugs go. Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at burnout underscore Matt, or you can find us over at youtube.com slash burnout brighter, where we do a bunch of whole cool video game and mental health stuff. We have our mental health series. The second episode is up. And very quickly, I also want to plug that uh, on Tuesday at 8.30 p.m., I will be live over on uh, our friends over at Xbox A on youtube.com slash Xbox A because we are having the console war to end all console wars. It'll be myself and Mr. K-Step from the trophy room going up against Matt and Court from Xbox A talking about which one really is better. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. We love all platforms. This but we already know fun. what's better. It's PlayStation. Duh. Oh, obviously. PlayStation drive, right? Yeah. And uh, what's it called? The, the Xbox A crew will be giving out a 12-month pass to Game Pass Ultimate. So come hang out. Come support uh, as, as we argue and yell at each other like a bunch of, like a bunch of uh, big old man babies. But what about you, Ryan? Well, that's for me. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Yumi Capri's on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Yumi Capri and on podcast services around the globe. So... For Matt Swinski, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode 36 of the PlayStation Drive, and we're out. The PlayStation Drive is fueled by patrons over at patreon.com slash Capri, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of our patrons from the bottom of my heart from your support across all of our content. And let's start by thanking our premium producers, Dallas Ford, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team, and Jonathan Brown over at youtube.com slash Entertainment. Our platinum producers, Robbie Bollaby Miller and Trucker Sloth. And our gold members, Argo, Brendan Myers, Dallas Robbins, Emily O'Kelly, Heather Boney, James Johnson, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Benji Kong, Marcus O'Neill, RJ Kern, Dano, Skinny Matt, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Fuya Fuji, and Xavier Reyes. Thank you all for all of your support.